Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. It is Super Bulldog Weekend. It's something we've been looking forward to for a long time. The annual Maroon and White Spring Game will take place uh, tomorrow. Weather is a little bit of a concern, but I will tell you the uh, the weather issues have diminished greatly in relation to what they were earlier in the week. Now, it has rained a little bit earlier here today uh, in Stark. I don't know what time you're listening to the show. I'm actually recording uh, a little bit after 9 o'clock. But um, we've had a little bit of rain this morning. There is expected to be some showers you know, this evening. But f- for the rest of the day, it is supposed to be you know, kind of partly sunny. You know, I know there's the partly cloudy forecast and partly sunny, you know. Yeah, me being a glass half full guy, I'm going to say partly sunny, but um, it's going to be dry the remainder of the day, and then as we get into the evening hours, there is a uh, there is a chance of some showers. Now, the uh, the biggest concern is tomorrow with the weather, uh, but again, as we we have learned this before, there have been times I have gone to bed on Friday expecting to get a rain out on Saturday, and then that doesn't happen. 
And so don't let that keep you from coming because this weekend is a celebration of who we are as Mississippi State people. Super Bowl weekend is something that uh, is pretty unique to Mississippi State. A lot of people have events for their spring game, but I don't know anybody that does it better than Mississippi State, giving you so much to look for and so much to cheer for. Uh, a lot of activities on campus and in town, and uh, which is one of those things too you begin to think about, you know, coming to Starkville, spending money, supporting the community here. It is a, uh, it's a huge weekend for our local vendors. And so I encourage you, come on up here, spend some time, eat local, shop local, and uh, support our Starkville merchants. We have a great city here. And uh, I have been so unbelievably impressed with uh, the changes that have taken place in the uh, the years that we have been back in Starkville. And uh, I have absolutely loved living here. And, uh, you know, we live out here in the sticks and uh, kind of like it out here. But uh, love being able to go to town and see how things have changed. And one of the things that I was always so critical of, and I used to tell people, you know, it's those things we only talk about among ourselves, you know, because when people said negative things about Starkville, we, we take that personally. It becomes a criticism of ourselves. And so among ourselves, we would talk sometimes and say, you know what, man, we've got to do something with Highway 12. That's the main thoroughfare through town. And it looked really ratty. I mean, that's just the reality of it. It did. But, man, what a great job the city has done to kind of dress that, that thoroughfare up there. It looks different. Everything around campus now looks better. And, uh, and, that, and that's not all ESP and SEC network money. You know, that's one of the things people say about facilities. Oh, well, thank goodness for that. You know, uh, I don't care how we get it as long as we have it. But uh, the city has kind of become a willing partner in many ventures. And uh, anything that is good for Starkville is good for Mississippi State. And so I am absolutely happy to see it. I want to thank our fine sponsors, uh, Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution, has been here forever and a day. And uh, many of you bought your textbooks from Campus Bookmart when you were students here. Now it's time to outfit your family, your home, your wardrobe, your automobile, your RV, anything you have. Anything you need Mississippi State related, you can get it right there at Campus Bookmart. Go in and see Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the whole crew there. They'll treat you like family because you are family. Maybe if you can't make it to town. Maybe, maybe you're a bulldog living across enemy lines. Maybe you're over in Alabama or something. Or maybe you're out in New Mexico. I know we've got some good bulldogs out there in Arizona. Um, but be that as it may, you can go to campusbookmart.net, and by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll save you a little cash. Give you promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that'll save you shipping on all orders over $50. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. So the, the, the big news right now is about uh, Mississippi State baseball, so we're going to go ahead and preview the baseball series. I know right now the immediate concern is about JT Ginn, so here is what we have learned since we have been together. So Chris Lamonis said Wednesday evening that uh, he did not think there was anything seriously wrong with JT. He would kind of be a uh, weekend decision type deal. They have already announced now that um, Ethan Small will take the Friday night spot as expected and Peyton Plumley will move up to Saturday. And they're kind of wait and see on Sunday with Ginn. So he might go, but it might be kind of limited. But but here's the deal. If, if we can win the game without throwing him Sunday and then make sure that he is – uh, closer to 100% for Arkansas, then that's probably the move that we make. Now, told privately that uh, there were some tests run and everything came back you know, negative. There was no, uh, no nothing uncovered to suggest there's going to be a long-term issue with JT. And, uh, you know, talk to some people, you know, very, very close to him. And, you know, they just want to be careful. 
it's really just a precaution. And I know, and as soon as you hear that a guy's missing his spot in the rotation, I know that everybody assumes the worst. And after the arm issues that we had a couple of years ago here on campus, Mississippi State, I mean, that, that's to be expected. But I, let, let me assure you, uh, based on everything that I'm hearing, JT Ginn will pitch for Mississippi State again this year. He could pitch this weekend, even though I don't expect it. Okay, he could go maybe go a couple innings on Sunday to see how he feels. But uh, I think the prudent thing to do is, if we, especially if we win these first two ball games, is uh, you know save Keegan James, throw him, go out there and win that ball game on Sunday. Alabama's Sunday pitching's been a bit of an adventure too. Uh, so all that being said. If you don't see JT again pitch this weekend, please don't panic. They're just making sure that he's good to go the rest of the year. Remember, he's a freshman, and we've already asked an awful lot from him already. Threw him in there on, in a Saturday deal, and uh, there's going to be an adjustment. I mean, he, he's a guy that, you know, I don't even think he's ever thrown 100 pitches in a game, you know, before he got to Mississippi State. And so there's going to be that adjustment. He is an unbelievable competitor. I can tell you, JT wants to be on the mound. JT also wants to be 100%. He, does, he wants to be out there to help his team. He doesn't want to hinder uh, our ability to win in any way whatsoever. So that's your news on him. We'll go ahead and get that out of the way. Real good chance he doesn't pitch this weekend. But there is a great chance that he'll pitch every other weekend. And so the main thing you do when you start having those arm issues is you, you can't just quote pitch through it. Everybody gets a little nicked up, but when it comes to pitchers and they start having some tightness somewhere, that tightness is coming from somewhere else. And one of the first things you fear when you start getting muscle tightness in the bicep or the forearm or the tricep is that you've got a ligament issue somewhere else, whether it be in the shoulder or the elbow. Uh, and so now that those options, that those those concerns have kind of been alleviated, now it's just about, okay, let, let's, let's get him back. Let's get him healthy. Give him some extended rest and uh, be good to go. And, and it's one of the things, too, for those of you that watch the Tennessee broadcast, uh, they were saying at times he was throwing 84-85. I'm sitting right next to Mississippi State's velo expert, the guy that charts all the pitches and all the exit velos and all that kind of stuff. JT was hit 91 on in the very first at bat and hit 94 in the first inning. So he does not have any diminished arm strength despite the, the tightness. He's been fine. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into uh, to your baseball preview. Alabama comes in here. They uh, they had a big win, I guess, a big offensive game. I don't know if I'd call it a big win. They, they, they knocked off Sanford 21-2. to uh, on Tuesday, you know, you can't read a whole lot into that because you never know. You know, it's one of those deals where, well, you just, you know, Sanford could have run out of pitching, you know. And uh, but the bottom line is they come in here swinging, swinging a hot bat. They, uh, you know, they had a, had a good weekend last weekend. But the Crimson Tide rolls in here with a, a 23 and 11 overall record and four and eight in the Southeastern Conference. They're 17 and six at home and five and five away. Uh, I, I'll go ahead and go out on a limb here. I suspect Alabama will have a losing, a losing record uh, away from uh, from Tuscaloosa after this weekend. I feel really good about Mississippi State's chances. Need to go out there and, and find a way uh, to, to sweep this series. And I know that's asking a lot. We say that every single weekend. But if we're going to climb back into this thing, if we can, and begin to think about this, if you could manage to get a sweep, and Alabama is the the the, the lowest rated team in the West, if you can get a sweep. That makes you ten and five at the halfway point. Ten and five. Ten and five, and you had a front-loaded schedule, right? And so you begin to kind of look at some things and say, okay, if, if we could, this is a huge weekend over the context of the entire season. If you can hit the midway point in the SEC schedule with a ten and five record, and not to mention that Tennessee knocked off Georgia last night, 
Georgia were two was two games ahead of Mississippi State. You find a way to pick up a game this weekend. The next thing you know, you're a game out of first place in this conference. Uh, you're in you're in good shape heading down the stretch. And not to mention you're going to play Georgia head to head at home. And so again, I've said from the beginning of the year, I think this team is capable of winning a Southeastern Conference regular season championship. They don't have a favorable schedule. So when you get opportunities like this, you have to take advantage. And State has let a couple things slip away. I, I, I believe, especially knowing ahead of time that JT Gim will not pitch, I think that's going to help the Mississippi State attitudes a little bit to kind of prepare. But my hope is this is the weekend we kind of put it all together. Uh, but again, looking back at Alabama, Alabama, they take two of three uh, against South Carolina last weekend. And that they had a... Uh, two-game doubleheader on Friday. They went 9-0, 4-1, and then they lose a 12-inning affair on uh, on Saturday, 5-4. So competitive, but South Carolina uh, has not been very good, and, and I'm sure you guys have kind of followed that. They historically have been a very good program within our conference. As a matter of fact, they have, uh, I hate to say it, but they've won national championships, and we haven't, and uh, that's, a, that's a burr in the Bulldog saddle, to say the least, but... Um, you know, that, that's a series that we'll get later in the year. But, um, you know, a good win for, for Alabama, and uh, they have been better as of late. Uh, so Mississippi State obviously will have to uh, have to prepare, you know, for a, a team coming in here with, with some confidence. Now, they just came off a, a four-game losing streak. If you guys are aware of this, they, they get swept uh, at Florida, and then they lose to Troy, and then they bounce back last weekend with the, the, the two out of three over South Carolina. But uh, have not been good in SEC play. They uh, lose the first series of the year, uh, the first conference series to, to Ole Miss and Oxford, uh, two games to one. They lose the uh, series to Arkansas, two games to one. The one game they did win is uh, the 10 nothing, the Saturday game. Uh, same thing with, with the Ole Miss. They win the Saturday game against Ole Miss. And so in game two on the SEC weekends, they're three and one in game two. So, that, you know, maybe Peyton, Peyton Plumley going that day is, uh, is a big deal. But looking at the uh, the Alabama Alabama pitching staff, they're going to start right-handers. When what that means is Josh Hatcher will be your DH. So we're going to start a left-hander, obviously, against right-handed pitching. But uh, a lot of right-handed pitchers, they do not have a lot of punch-outs. Okay, they're not a huge punch-out team. They pitch to contact. Matter of fact, uh, you know, they're they're one of those teams that uh, they just want you to put the ball in play. They don't try to get under some some bad angles and that sort of stuff and have you beat the ball in the ground. And, you know, Tennessee does some of that, but Tennessee, I think, has a much better pitching staff uh, than Alabama. But uh, they will come out and, and attack you. We expect Sam Fennerty tonight. Uh, Sam is a senior right-hander, been through the league, obviously. 5-3 uh, and three overall, 3.19 ERA. We, we, we feel confident that's the guy tonight. Now, Saturday might be a little different. Game two, uh, junior Brock Love is a guy that's 4-1 and one with a 3.62 ERA. And then uh, Sunday's deal is kind of like ours. You know, it's kind of like who, who hasn't been used and who's available. Uh, I would suspect Tyler Rass will probably throw, even though he has struggled at times this year. But he is a guy I think that they uh, – he's one of their freshmen they're looking forward to. They think he's going to be a, an eventual Friday night guy for them. But, um, you know, it's one of those deals that's typical SEC pitching. I mean, you're, you're going to have guys that are going to come in here and challenge you and put you in a situation where you're going to have to go get – get hits they're not a team that walks a lot okay they but they don't strike you out a lot so you're going to have a chance to kind of put some balls in play as we kind of mentioned and kind of look at the numbers here uh, we mentioned Sam Finnerty you know he's had eight starts this year 
and uh, has factored in the decision every time. One complete game, he's the guy that's got some stamina, gone 48 innings, allowed 42 hits in that 48, and then that kind of goes along with that whole pitching to contact thing. Uh, only six walks against 36 strikeouts. 36 strikeouts, not a huge number, but the 6-to-1 ratio is pretty good. shows you that uh, he's not a guy that's going to that's gonna put you on. You're going to have to earn your way on. Only allowed four home runs. Opponents are hitting 232 against him. And uh, and another impressive thing here, uh, no, just a couple wild pitches. And he only hit one batter. So control is not really an issue, uh, you know, with Sam. And looking at Saturday with Brock Love, that's a 4-1 guy, 362 ERA. Another guy that's got a lot of starts. He's had a couple of relief appearances, uh, but seven starts on the year. Another guy just under a hit per inning, okay, and uh, not a lot of unearned runs, but he will walk you a little more. Uh, 13 walks, probably 12 walks against 41 strikeouts. And not a lot of extra base hits against him, but when, but he has been susceptible to the big fly. He's allowed six home runs, which is the most on the Alabama staff. Uh, opponents are only hitting 228 against him, though. But, again, another guy that'll, that is going to – Pound the strike zone and have you put the ball in play. We discussed Will Freeman a little bit earlier. You know, Will has been a spot starter and a middle reliever for them. Uh, two and two record uh, with a 4.09 ERA. Uh, nine appearances, five starts. Again, uh, you know, a hit per inning. 22 innings pitched, 22 hits allowed. Uh, he is another guy, too, that um, not a lot of walks. But when you consider him in innings pitch compared to other guys, 14 strikeouts against the six walks. So he is a guy that's not going to punch you out a lot. He's another guy, too, that uh, batting average is up a little bit at 262. And I mentioned uh, Rass, Tyler Rass. He's a guy, again, he's a freshman, but he's had uh, eight starts already this year. Uh, one and two record, three, four, seven ERA. He's over hits one hit per inning, allowing 29 hits and 23 and a third innings pitched. Uh, strikeouts, 21 walks nine he has been a little susceptible to giving up an extra base hit though so he is a guy you can barrel up opponents are hitting over 300 against him at 309 so i don't think state's going to see anywhere close to what they saw last weekend but they're not going to be given a lot you're going to have to hit your way on you're going to have to the pitch selection is going to be key if you if you understand what i'm saying they're going to pound the strike zone have you put the ball in play and uh, I think the big crowds help Mississippi State, uh, to be quite honest with you. I think we've got a chance to go out here and and, uh, and take this series in dramatic fashion. I think we can go out here and win all three. We've got to go win tonight. And I, and I really like Ethan Small against this lineup. And I like Ethan Small against every lineup, to be honest with you. I, I think Ethan has exceeded everybody's expectations of him. Very, very down-to-earth guy. If you've ever been around Ethan, he is a team-first guy. All he cares about is a team winning. Not worried about his own statistics. Uh, just wants to go out there and, and deliver a good performance and help the Bulldogs get a win. And so some of the guys that you need to be mindful of uh, when you you know kind of see that Alabama lineup come out, Drew Williamson is a freshman that they are extremely excited about. Leading the team with a 344 batting average. That's, that's outstanding. That is absolutely outstanding. Uh, got a couple of home runs, 15 RBI on the year, 33 hits already. Uh, but he, he is a guy that you, that you need to be mindful of. He's a guy that will get on base. Runs in bases pretty well, too. Four stolen bases and five attempts. Former Mississippi State football commitment Keith Holcomb is still there. It seems like Keith has been there for – it seems like Sylvester Croom recruited Keith Holcomb. I mean, it's incredible to think about it. Uh, Keith's former linebacker there at Alabama, opting really more for baseball now with a 324 average. Got three home runs, 28 RBI. 20 RBI is tied for the team lead. Uh, but he's a guy at times that's been a difficult out for Mississippi State. You know, but uh, the last time we played them, 
uh, we kind of got the better of Keats. But uh, but he is a guy that, uh, you know, solid young man, elected to stay home and, and, and play for his father's alma mater. Uh, wish him well. Ho- hope he has a great year after this weekend. I hope this weekend is absolutely miserable and then the rest of the year is great. Uh, the one guy that, that is very intriguing to me is Tyler Gentry. Uh, 306 batting average, eight home runs this year, five doubles, uh, also 28 RBI. But he you know, he he is a guy that 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 can hurt you. You make a mistake with him, uh, he can absolutely hurt you. Al Fielder, sophomore at Arlington, Tennessee, uh, made the move over from uh, from Walter State Community College. So he he is one of these guys that is kind of an, a new addition to the team and and uh, has kind of produced some power in the middle of that order. But those are some names to really watch. And Alabama is still a program that's in transition. And uh, it's one of those things when you look at this thing and say, okay, how can Alabama consistently be this bad at baseball? You know, the Jim Wells years happened a long time ago. And it's always just kind of seemed that Alabama's a little bit behind the curve, pardon the pun. But, um, you know, they, they were real popular during the Gorilla Ball era. You know, I remember they beat, out, they beat OSU to death one year in the SEC tournament. And uh, that was, you know, really kind of an embarrassment to the game. I don't mean that being negative of Alabama, but just the style of play at the time was awful. But uh, be that as it may, since Jim Wells has moved on, Alabama, it seems, has always been a little bit behind it. You know, they, just, they, they never can seem to get ahead and become a consistent program. And, and uh, you know, they're, they're certainly on the verge of, uh, you know, finishing dead last in the West again this year. And I think when you look at the league that we play in, it's very, very unforgiving. And uh, once you get down, it is so difficult to come back. It is so difficult to get back on the right foot. And uh, especially in, in the SEC West, there there is consistently going to be top-performing teams out here. You, you, you figure LSU, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Ole Miss are going to be, uh, you know, NCAA tournament teams, you know, just about every year. And so then all of a sudden Auburn has kind of figured this thing. They're, they're kind of getting together. A&M has been a very solid addition to the conference on the baseball side of things. And so if you're Alabama, w- where do you get a win? You know, who can you look at and say, okay, great, this is who we take a step up against? It's very, very difficult. You know, and then you look on the eastern side of things, and it's so funny how we talk about this every single year. And, it, and it's become one of those things in all of sport in the SEC that the east is kind of the lesser – Division. Now, you could make an argument men's basketball this year that wasn't the case with Kentucky and Tennessee both over there. But some of the worst teams in the conference, Missouri and Georgia, were also over there. It's incredible. It really is. It used to just be a football conversation. Now it's an all-sports conversation. The SEC West is just simply better than the SEC East. You can line it up in whatever you want to do. It doesn't make any difference to me. But the bottom line is, in this league, especially from a baseball standpoint, when you get behind – it's almost impossible to get caught up. And, and uh, administration has to be very patient with a new coach. Uh, I think they will beat Alabama, of course. You know that they, they renovated a stadium here a few years ago. But it's if, if you look at what they have, it is better than what they had before. But even as a brand-new, relatively brand-new stadium, it lags behind the premier programs in this league. And uh, I, I had a trip, you know, went to Knoxville last weekend. And uh, I'll be at Arkansas next weekend. Really excited to go see Bomb up close. But uh, Tennessee has the most antiquated fan experience in the conference that I've seen. And, uh, you know, they were ahead of Kentucky, I guess, for a little while. Now that Kentucky's rebuilt the stadium, you know, Tennessee, you can make the argument. Tennessee and Missouri, probably the worst two stadiums in the conference. And, again, there's that whole SEC East thing. Now, the playing service of Tennessee is great. They have a video board out there, but it's, it's kind of a basic bare bones type deal. 
the grandstand itself, very disappointing. The fan amenities, very disappointing. But they're not concerned about baseball there. I mean, there are some, some, uh, some guys there that, uh, you know, some tried and true Tennessee volunteer fans I got a chance to visit with, and they're very envious of what we have, not just as a facility, but as a fan base. They're very, very, you know, they're baseball guys. They would love for Tennessee to be what Mississippi State is. But I, I talked to a couple people about it, and I said, you know what, here's the deal. When, uh, when you guys at Mississippi State were investing in college baseball, we were invested in women's basketball. And so something had to give. And you, and you would think with Tennessee's budget, nothing would ever have to give. But they invested in women's basketball and won multiple national championships. And I don't think they regret that decision. I think it's, you know, it's just one of those kind of pick-your-poison type deals when um, you know, there's most of our sports out there collegially and, uh, on the college level are, are losing money propositions. And so it's like if, if you're going to lose money chasing championships in non-revenue sports, you better win them. And um, so in that respect, I, thought, I don't think Tennessee regrets any of that. I mean, Pat Summit, probably the the greatest coach of, uh, of a generation. You can make the argument now that uh, Gino maybe has surpassed a lot of the things that, uh, that Pat Summit did, but he also did it when, when Pat Summit was gone. Uh, so uh, very, very excited to be on the Tennessee campus, and, and it was a beautiful place. Uh, the baseball amenities, facilities, uh, not so much. And the more that I travel and the more time that I spend on the road and the more, and the more SEC baseball fans that I meet, the more I appreciate what we have at Mississippi State. And I shared that with John Cohen. I said, you know, I said, some of our fans, they, they're excited about Duty Noble. They love Duty Noble. They understand the mystique of Duty Noble. But when you get out and you travel and you begin to realize, you're like, we don't realize how good we have it until you get out there and see what other people have and, and more importantly, what they don't have. And so when I, when I walk out there today, I just take it all in. I think, man, it's, we are so fortunate to be alive right now and to be a part of all of this and to see Mississippi State and Duty Noble Field graduate and become the premier venue on campus in college baseball. And the more that I travel, the more that is confirmed. And, again, looking forward to seeing Bomb next week. And, and uh, I've had some people tell me that uh, – a couple of Mississippi State baseball parents said that, th- that their favorite venue outside of Duty Noble is at South Carolina. That they, they think South Carolina is really, really nice. Sight lines are all good. You've got the concourse. You can walk all the way around. But there's really nobody you know, doing what Mississippi State has done. And so I encourage you to get out and go. And, and so for those of you next weekend are looking for college baseball coverage, I'm going to have it for you again. And I, I suspect that I will be the only Mississippi State media person in Arkansas too. I've got, a, I got a streak going, guys. I have not missed a road game yet. That includes a trip to Frisco, Texas, and to Samford. And uh, I don't plan to miss one for some time. Uh, I will have to, uh, to bow out of a series a little bit later this, this year. But uh, as long as Jake is chasing this record, and long as this team is having a special year, I, I'm going to stay on the road. My, my plan is to go to Arkansas and then begin to make some plans uh, next month to go down to A&M. And so... I encourage you to come out and support the Bulldogs wherever you are. And it's this past weekend, there were some Bulldog fans that I, I met in Knoxville that have not had a chance to get to Duty Noble yet, and, and they can't wait. And there are a lot of people I know that uh, it's a bit of a chore. It really is. I, I get it. I understand. And sometimes you have to wait for the Bulldogs to come to you. So I have a lot of respect for those folks that go out there, and uh, especially for our baseball parents. You know, it's like the – they're out there and they're on the road, and it's nice to have some people there to kind of aid in the uh, in the cause, uh, to kind of help cheer the boys on the victory. 
I want to remind you guys, too, when you're in town, Bulldog Burger Company is absolutely the place to go break bread. And if you're going to be at the Cotton District Arts and Crafts Festival, uh, the folks at Bulldog Burger Company are going to have a tent set up where you can go by and have a margarita. You can have uh, some 1817 uh, adult beverages. And those folks are from Oklahoma, Mississippi. Those are Mississippi State people. So you can go by and enjoy that. And, and while you're there, maybe, maybe, you don't, maybe you're not interested in the adult beverage. You can go have that great restaurant-quality hamburger. And that's, that's one of the best things about life, treating yourself. Because we, we all work hard, right? We all work hard. Overworked, underpaid, that's all of us, right? And so sometimes you have to take a little time for yourself. Bulldog Burger Company, they're, they're the place to do it, guys. They're, that Your family's going to enjoy going. Uh, and I've, I mentioned, too, go follow them on Instagram. And uh, they're probably more active on the social platforms at Instagram than, than, than the others. They've got a good Twitter following, but... If you want to keep up with daily specials and that sort of stuff, Instagram is the way to go. Earlier this week, they featured an ahi tuna burger. How about that? That's something you won't get anywhere else. That's something that's kind of unique to Bulldog Burger Company. So, again, encourage you to go by this weekend. I'll be just down the street from them at the Campus Bookmart, Bookmart Cafe uh, event, you know, signing books and taking pictures and kissing baby mamas, all that kind of stuff. And so come by, say hello. Go by, grab you a brew at uh, Bulldog Bird Company, and come by and uh, and say hello. But again, Bulldog Bird Company, the place in Starkville, people go to meet. M E A T. So let's get into a couple other things before we uh, before we get out of here. So we met with Coach Joe Moorhead yesterday. You can watch Joe's video in its entirety over on Gene's page. You can go watch it right now. Go. You don't even have to be a VIP member. You should be a VIP member. You should. And if you're not, what are you doing? What are you doing with life? You go by, you get the subscription, you come by, you ask your questions. You've got, you know, Paul Jones, Robbie Falk, Dave Murray, Mike Nemeth, Gene, myself. We're there to answer your questions. So go by and be a part of that. But you can go watch that video. And one of the things that I want to advise you guys too, like if you, let's say for an example, you're saying, hey, I missed this. Where, where can I see this video of this press conference or whatever? Well, more times than not, it's going to be on our front page. And you can scroll down right to the left, pull it up on your desktop, and right there to the left, or you can look at it on your phone, there's a section for the latest videos. And you don't even have to be a member to watch those. You can go pull up those and you can watch them. So if you miss a press conference, more times than not, it's going to be right there. But uh, we did meet with Jim Moorhead yesterday, and uh, there are some contingency plans being made. They plan to play the game, obviously, at, uh, at 1 o'clock. Uh, says they're going to script some things out. It'll be more football-like than what we've seen in the scrimmages so far this spring, as, which means they'll be blocking and tackling to the ground, that sort of stuff. But the, the main thing is kind of keeping guys healthy. You know, they want to get through this and put on a show, but at the same time, too, we don't want to see anybody get hurt. We don't want to have to call the spring game early, right? Right? Love you, John Abram, but you probably shouldn't have done that. Uh, but, yeah, we want to go out there and have a good event. And, uh, you know, ask Joe basically, you know, what, what, do, you, what do you want to see? What, you know, obviously clean the execution is job one. But what do you, what do you want to see? You know, you know, he says really it's just a, kind of about retention. You know, where are we? Let's go out here. Let's see what we've coached. Let's see what we've worked on in action. So it's going to be kind of vanilla with the play calling. We're not going to be out there. You know, they, they may put a, a, you know, a circus play in whatever just to get the crowd excited or whatever but you know it's going to be very vanilla it's going to be about guys getting out there and getting work and so we encourage you to kind of get a look and, and the, one of the guys you need to be excited about is Colin Hill you probably didn't need me to say that but Colin's a guy that's going to have a big year this year you know 
and we, we, we need him to. And uh, looking at him in practice, he's one of those guys you look at and say, you know what, this guy looks like an SEC star. He carries himself that way. He works that way. He just has a presence about himself. And, um, you know, he won the job last year, much as the chagrin of some other people. You know, Eris Williams had a huge year in 2017. And then uh, for his senior year, he gets, you know, the coaching change kind of leads to Kylan taking the reins. I don't know if that would have happened, you know, if Dan Mullen was still here. I think uh, Eris, you know, Dan always kind of favored the veterans anyway. But, uh, but be that as it may, Colin now has that experience under his belt. He enters this year as the incumbent. You know, everybody knows he is the bell cow. And rather than kind of rest on his laurels, I think Colin Hill looks better now than he's ever looked. And you would expect that after another year in the program. But there just seems to be an urgency with him to be great. And uh, I think that is one of those things that will help everybody in that personnel group. I think it's one of those, that, like the saying says, a rising tide raises all ships. That's kind of how I see this thing with Kylan, is that he's going to make the people around him better. And the better he goes, the better Keaton Thompson's going to go, right? And I, I think there will be a lot more of a effort to get Kylan the football. Now, they worked a ton yesterday, and we were only out there a short time. But they worked a ton on throwing the ball, checking the ball down in the flats to the running backs. And there's Terry Richardson out there really, really, really staying on the guys about running the route correctly and not drifting upfield and kind of making sure they get the right distance and and, um, being a little more precise. And uh, even with guys that are seniors like Nick Gibson, guys that have been around a few 24 hours, you know, I mean, everybody's having to adjust a little bit. And uh, excited to see that. One of the things that's most impressive to me is just watching those big offensive linemen work. And that was one of the things I noticed yesterday. You know, Marcus Johnson is a great teacher of the game. Now, John Hevesy was a great offensive line coach here at Mississippi State. He was a great coach. He wasn't a great recruiter, but he was a great developer of talent. He was a great teacher. Now, I don't know that John's bedside manner you know, was uh, maybe appealing to a lot of people. But, I, you know, I like John a lot. I really do. I think he's a great – he's very good at what he does. But Marcus is a contrast in styles. And I really think last year, the first part of the year, I think we kind of missed that gruff bark of John Hevesy because I think, you know, he knew how to get those guys going on game day. And sometimes that meant getting in their face a little bit. Well, that's not really Marcus's deal. But about midway through the year, we kind of adjusted, and I felt like down the stretch we played about as well as we could play. Went and played pretty well at Alabama, and considering the front they had, I think that was, uh, you know, we, we didn't maybe get the push, but we didn't, we didn't get pushed around like we have in other years. But watching those guys work. And, you know, Tommy Champion's a guy that we were very high on coming out of Callaway High School, and, you know, it's taken some time for him. You know, he, he went to Coland, and then he comes in injured, and, and he played some, and you know, Marcus tells me that you know, Champion is a guy that is really pushing Greg Island at right tackle. Really pushing Greg Island. You know, last year they were it was pretty pretty much an even split, but it's not you know written in concrete or anything. It's not you know carved in stone. Pardon me. That uh, Greg Island's going to be the starter. So the competition's making everybody better. We feel great about Tyree Phillips up there left tackle. But uh, Tommy Champion is making it interesting at right tackle. And, and he's going to play somewhere. And this may be one of those situations, too, 
for Tommy Champion where the change in position coaches was good. Because sometimes coaches, I don't say they give up on guys, but I think some guys, I think people give up on each other. I think sometimes you feel like, you know what, I'm never going to get ahead with this guy. I got off on the wrong foot. I'm never going to make this ground up. And so they transfer. Or they just decide, you know what, I'll just you know be a second teamer. They lose their fire. But I think with Marcus Johnson coming in and kind of having a clean slate that Tommy Champion has kind of elevated his game some. Now, he didn't have a great year last year, but he was a, he was a contributor. And now that he's in his senior season, he is pushing for more playing time. Had a discussion yesterday. Somebody said, you know what, if, uh, if, if we elect senior captains, who would they be? And I thought about it a second. I said on offense, I'm, I'm going to say Darrell Williams because he is a voice on this team. He is a positive voice on this team, and he is a hard worker. I think people look at him and have a certain level of respect. You look at him and you begin to think, okay, this is a guy that uh, got injured on the road to Kentucky. This is a guy that worked hard to get back. He was signed to play center and then didn't win the job. Elton Jenkins beats him out, and then uh, he makes the move to guard and really was an undersized guard and then graded out as one of the top guards in the country. And now we're going to move him to his more natural position of center. He'll make the calls and the checks and all that kind of stuff. And so I think when they announce senior captains, I, I suspect that'll be your guy. And they're kind of settling some things at those guard positions, but uh, we discussed this on the show a couple weeks ago, but Darian Parker is making things interesting. We feel pretty confident Stu Reese is going to man that left guard spot, but the uh, Michael Story and Darian Parker are battling out pretty good. That whole right left side, you feel pretty good about things being settled. The right side, a little different. But as Marcus Johnson says, you know, he, he is – Greg Island, Tyree Phillips, Tommy Champion, everybody's going to learn to work right and left. And the same thing with your guards. But let's say you get three guards ready, three tackles ready, and a couple centers ready. I mean, you're going to feel pretty good about your depth if you've got guys who've got, you know, got some experience under their belt. But that's where it's all going to start. I think you can feel pretty good about where things are in that respect. I thought Stephen Guidry, in the short time we were able to watch practice yesterday, thought he was impressive. And he is one of those kind of guys, too. We always talk about, man, when the light comes on. It reminds me a little bit of Tony Burks. You remember Tony? Signed with Ole Miss, didn't qualify, went to JUCO, didn't sign with Sylvester Croom, and then came in here, and it seemed like it took him, I don't know, maybe you know, 13 to 14 games to kind of figure it out. And then he was outstanding. And uh, I think we could see something similar with Stephen Guidry. You know, you know, last year, you know, he shows up. You know, if you remember... He was going to go to LSU, didn't qualify, went back to junior college, and then he showed up hurt and, and, and basically missed the spring. And then we had all these other issues. And then we got into season, and he kind of settled in and did better. And everybody tells me that he's doing much better. They're telling me Michael Johnson's kind of, kind of got him on the right path. And Stephen deserves some credit for that too. But I really thought I was impressed with him yesterday. I th- I, he looked to me a guy that was taking practice seriously. And that's been one of the things that you hear about him. Is, well, he, you know, he's not a great practice player. He's a guy that's better when the lights come on. But I thought he looked pretty good yesterday. Probably the most consistent name that I hear when I talk to people and say, hey, who is standing out when you guys go to full team drills? Who has kind of stood out? Dedrick Thomas. I say, Dedrick Thomas has been the most consistent receiver. And, you know, we need him to be. That H receiver, that slot receiver, it's got, you get the whole field to work with. You need Dedrick Thomas to be an explosive player. Now, he's had some good games in Mississippi State. He has. 
but he is one of those kind of guys too that you look at it and you say, you know what, this is a guy that can be a seven, eight, nine, ten touch a game guy. Maybe you give it to him on a jet sweep. Maybe you throw it to him in a flat. Maybe you know, maybe you bring him on a jet sweep. I don't know, but it's one of those things where he needs to touch the football. But consistently, that's a name that I have heard. Had some ask asked specifically yesterday about WAP Devonte Jason. There's nobody that looks better in the uniform than him. And I asked, I said, you know, where do you think he is in his development? I said, you know, I think he's, I think he's coming on. We haven't seen a lot. You know, I hope we'll see some on Saturday and see these guys do some big things. Remember, WAP had a big spring game last year. It had a lot of us thinking as we got into fall practice that, you know, when he was, you know, running some with the twos that he would have a chance to kind of play his way into uh, some playing time. And, and, and if I'm being fair and honest, and, I, and again, not knowing the full situation, I think we, we wasted a year of his eligibility last year having to play on special teams. And, and maybe that's what you had to do to keep him happy and keep him here. I don't know that. I don't know that. And I don't know if there's anybody that would ever admit that. But um, we need a big year out of him. You know, based on what I've seen, I, I haven't seen somebody just kind of take over out there. And I haven't I haven't seen somebody just say, you know what, the, he is the guy. You know, that nobody's really stepped forward and said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be the daddy of this group. That hadn't happened yet. Uh, still concerned with defensive tackle, but I, I have heard that Mississippi State has worked the uh, the transfer wire, the transfer portal pretty hard, and uh, they've got a couple of guys they're targeting, and, uh, you know, feel like we've got a pretty good chance you know, to get a grad transfer at the tackle, and that's going to be big because we've got some young and talented guys in there. you got Jaden Cromerty, you got Fabian Lovett. saw those guys yesterday. They look great. They look like big-time college football players. But they need some reps. They need some game snaps. And so if you can bring a guy in to kind of be a stopgap guy that can go out there and be a good player for you while these guys mature, that's going to answer a lot of questions. You feel really good about Lee Autry, and outside of that, it's a crapshoot, man. It is. It's the reality of things. And what I worry about, too, is, you know, if you don't have guys on the inside that can eat up space, you know, how do you keep those guards off Errol Thompson? How do you keep from getting gashed? And the interior running game. You've got to have some guys in there to get some push and need up double teams and kind of, you know, protect your linebackers. That's where an experienced grad transfer can come in and kind of help you there. A guy to go in and just make a mess. I don't even need the guy to make that many plays. Just go in there and make a mess and let the linebackers clean up. We just got we can't let linemen get to the second level because next thing you know, you got some running back running loose in the secondary. And so it's not it's not as simple as I think some people believe that it is. I and mean, this is a very real concern. A defensive tackle. Very, very real concern. You feel great about your ends. You feel great about your linebackers. Uh, and I continue to hear <laughs> uh, good things about secondary, that uh, that this group may be from top to bottom. Obviously, you know, I don't know if we have a player like Jonathan Abram anywhere else on the field, but uh, my the point being is that collectively this group could be and should be much better than last year. I think you've got a lot more speed on the field. You know, Brian Cole, Jaquarius Landry's talking to those guys. Uh, they're having an absolute ball in Mississippi State spring practice. They are having a ball. And but both of those guys' eyes were kind of lit up at pro day. That they were, uh, I think that they see their buddies out there running around and talking to NFL scouts and sort of stuff. And I think it lit a fire with those guys. And you begin to think about all those guys together in Cam Dantzler and Murray Smitherman. And the thing that people keep telling me about Mo is that you keep catching him doing something right. You know what I'm saying? It's like 
he he doesn't give you a whole lot of teachable moments because he is so consistent. You know, doesn't always wow you with you know with the great athletic one-handed grab or something, but he's always getting caught doing the right thing. And when you've got a guy out there like him with his ability and his consistency, uh, that's going to turn some heads. You know, Cam Danford's got measurables that are off the charts. And so when you begin to put those guys out there together as a tandem, you begin to think, okay, this is going to be interesting. I'm told Fred Peters uh, is, is coming on as well, that uh, Fred and Jonathan Abram are completely different. Jonathan Abram has not stopped talking since he learned to talk. Okay, I love Jonathan. He's from my hometown. Uh, I've been covering him for a long time. Matter of fact, I was the first person to ever do anything with him in the media. Got a phone call one day from a friend back home said, hey, we got this kid at East Marion we think he's got a chance. Do you mind putting his highlight video up and give him a little press? And next thing I know, he's fixing to be a first-round draft pick. And that's not any credit to me. That's just the reality of, of uh, how this process works at times. But Fred Peters is the complete opposite. Fred rarely says anything. Rarely says anything. Uh, he had a couple of interceptions in a scrimmage uh, the other day, and, and uh, he is a playmaker. And he's a fast, physical downhill guy he will absolutely change your oil for you the difference is he'll knock you out and then it's go get in the huddle Jonathan Abram will knock you out and then call out your family in the stands you know what I'm saying it's just there is a there is a different personality but the skill set is pretty similar I don't know if we've ever had anybody I mean I, I think back some I think about Pig Prather a little bit I don't know that Pig had the foot speed that Abram does but that's the same I mean Jonathan Abram would have been a star at the dog safety position, you know, and those great Jolie Dunn defenses, you know, and I think John's one of those kind of guys that in any era at any point, because of his love of physicality, he'd have been a great football player uh, in any defense. But uh, but it kind of reminds me a little bit, you know, that the whole the, the swagger and everything that goes with that, uh, a little bit of Pig Prather, but uh, expecting big things for John. But uh, that whole secondary, and again, the thing that we hear is just consistency as a group has been a strong point. And you get out there and you get, you know, C.J. Morgan's a guy that's you know, still working back, but uh, probably the surprise of the secondary last year. Really excited about that young man. And then you add in Jaquarius Landers and Brian Cole, and, and everybody says Brian Cole is a star. Brian Cole is going to be a star. And he showed some flashes last year before he got injured. And uh, if you recall, this time last year, a lot of people were saying if Brian Cole had a big year that he may go ahead and come out. And I think that was probably the plan. And then he gets injured, and now he's worked his way back. And everybody that was around Mississippi State football, when he signed, it said, you know what, he just needs to grow up a little bit. Uh, they love him now. They love him now. And you got to think, this is his third year in the program. And we had that mandatory redshirt deal because we had a transcript issue there at, uh, at Scuba. But, uh, but all that was behind him. I think in the end, it might have been the best thing that ever happened to him in hindsight because he had the ability to kind of get ahead academically, get in a college weight room, and now if you just think about this, what if he got hurt in last year as a senior and not had the benefit of this year? Mississippi State also would be scrambling a little bit trying to find somebody to fill that spot. So I think when you look at how Bob Shoup uses the safeties in the blitz package, you've got guys like Jaquarius Landry's and Brian Cole that can really put up some big numbers this year. And I don't know how much how exotic things will be tomorrow. I don't expect you'll see that in the Maroon Y game. But uh, it, we have kind of flown under the radar a bit when it's come to football because there's been so much going on. We had the men's tournament, the women's tournament. Baseball got off to a strong start. And so Joe and his crew have kind of kind of worked a little bit in obscurity. And I think a lot of Bulldog fans have said, you know, 
have kind of had maybe kind of a passing interest in spring football because let's be honest, there were several years when that's really all we had to look forward to this time of year, that and some baseball. But we didn't get serious about baseball really until you know later in the year. Uh, but uh, with all the fields of play being so competitive right now that uh, it's allowed Joe and them, I think, to kind of work some in the background. And uh, I think that's been good for key time. And uh, I, I expect a good year. Again, I expect us to be a solid bowl team. I don't think we're going to Atlanta, but I think we're going to be a solid bowl team. And uh, I think it's, it's a transition year. But the good thing is I think we're off the roller coaster where we work and work and work and work and work, and you finally get to the top of the mountain and you've got a roster full of seniors and then uh, you go to a bowl game, and then you come crashing down, and you bottom out and go four and eight, and you got to work your way back up. You know, I, I think those days are behind us. Now, speaking of looking forward, I want to mention there were some renderings of uh, the hotel at Davis Wade Stadium, whatever it has kind of made the rounds on uh, social media. I spoke to an MSU official yesterday about that. That there has been something, and we have talked about that that there are plans for that into the end zone, that there would be like some lodging involved there, kind of like a full-service hotel that would serve the campus as well as our game day functions, that sort of stuff. So here's what I'm told by people that would know. Okay, so those renderings that are out there are, are obsolete and, and old. Now, it should get you excited that there is some forward thinking in your athletic department and in the facilities management of this university. So eventually that is going to happen. It won't be those renderings. Those were very, very early and kind of basic. And, you know, when they were just saying, hey, let's get a look. What does it look like? What would this look like? How do we kind of pull this together? That's kind of the, how that kind of, kind of conversation came to be. But what I am told is before we even kind of get into that, that uh, the renovation of Humphrey Coliseum is going to happen first. And then we may have a football-only IPF before we go and tackle that. So there are some other projects that are a little more pressing and a little more emergent. And, I, and certainly, you know, the hump is one of them. We're not going to go build a new arena. I, I understand that we can. We have been told we can renovate Humphrey Coliseum uh, for a lot less than we would construct in a new arena. It's not like Duty Noble. It's, it's, it's a much different deal. So... While I know a lot of people are seeing those pictures and you're getting excited and saying, you know, hey, this will be great, eventually it will be great. But we're talking several years, if not a decade down the road. Okay, so that there's nobody breaking ground on that like in the next few months. And I know that everybody was excited about the left field loss and thinking, hey, let me go ahead and get involved in this. Okay, that's based on what I'm told, that is years down the road, years that uh, our you know fiscal resources will be used on some other things before we even get to that. Now that could change, obviously. I mean, maybe somebody sees that and says, "Hey, listen, that's a great idea. I'll put some money behind that, and let's go ahead and make that happen sooner rather than later." But but to date, that has not happened. And again, based on the people that I talk to, and I and I, I wouldn't share it with you if I didn't believe it. That that is that is not anything that's going to happen immediately. And, I, and the exact words that I was told was those renderings are obsolete and that that project is not imminent. And so it's fun to dream, fun to talk about it, and at some point it will happen. And that's one thing that I, that I love about this administration is they are willing to kind of think outside of the box. We, we're not doing things to, old, to the script of the old Mississippi State. And I, and I say that with as much love, respect, and admiration as I possibly can. But used to 
we had a lot of folks involved in the decision-making process of Mississippi State. We're kind of like, well, that's nice, but, you know, we don't have that now. That's one of the things that I'll say about Dr. Mark Keenum and, and uh, Jared Banco and, and John Cohen is, like, they are can-do type people. It's like, well, let, let's see what we can do instead of being so concerned with all the things we can't do. Let, let's find a way to make it work. And that's what they've done. I mean, if you look at you know, John Cohen, uh, you know, when Dan Mullen needed to go hire a defensive coordinator, he goes, well, if money was no object, who would you get? It gives him three names. One of them is Todd Grantham. And what do we do? We go hire Todd Grantham. You know, when Scott Strickland uh, and the baseball stadium project was uh, was moving forward, but there was some concern about funding, John Cohen went and made it happen. Went and did it. And so at some point, this will happen. So I don't want people to get all down in the mouth thinking, well, man, that sure was pretty. I'd like to see that. Even if I never stayed in it, I would love to see it happen because I think it shows the forward thinking of Mississippi State. But uh, but understand that as of now, that uh, that's not going to happen in the foreseeable future. It'll be sometime. But uh, again, I like our line of thinking. I like the fact that we're kicking around some things that are a little bit different. I want to remind you guys, too, that uh, you can go get your Stark Villains gear. It's uh, StarkVillains.com. The book will be out here uh, in a few months. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. I'll be uh, finishing up a couple things this week, and then we'll begin some edits, and uh, the writing process will conclude, and then you know there will be a lot of people involved that uh, will have ideas, and and I'll have to change some things. That's how it works. But uh, excited for, for you guys to have the opportunity to, to read this. But uh, you can rep the brand now. And every time I wear a Stark Villain shirt to practice, I have – current former player saying hey where did you get that shirt well here it is starkvillains.com you go get it you can get it in a variety of colors and styles i've got people says hey steve i just ordered my stark villains hoodie and i appreciate it more than you know but again go buy it at starkvillains.com until next time let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live <laughs>